what even happened? <laughs> so I decided that I hate my own social media. So I did, I kind of took over our Instagram. That's fine. Um, and so I explained it on there, but here's what happened. Um, I went on vacation and then I think you were gone. You went home for a weekend. I d- yep. And then we got in a fight and then I got <gasps> sick. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and now here we are. It took us a while to get back. Guys, Em and I had our first fight. That was scary. It shouldn't have even been like. I hated that. It was very dramatic. And we both felt like we were losing our significant others. (laughs) This is how it happened. (coughs) We literally fought over voice memo. (laughs) Oh, my God, dude. And it was less than 24 hours. Yeah. Well, and then I was like, we need to talk about this in person. And you were like, yeah, agreed. And then. I was like, just joking. I can't wait to do it in person. And so I just sent you a voice memo, like, let's hash this shit out. And we did. It was very, well, my opinion. It was very productive. What happens when two mental health professionals get in a fight and talk it out? Like the most healthy fight in the world. (laughs) Dude, it was so constructive. Seriously. Like, I was like, here's what I feel. And this is my problem with you right now. And you were like, oh my God, I'll do better. Here's my problem with you. And I was was like, okay, well, that was healthy. (laughs) Very unlike many of my... Did she feel triggered that it was so healthy? Yeah. <laughs> like, we both sat there and like, we didn't talk for like, not even 24 hours. And we were both like, I feel like I'm losing my soulmate. Seriously, it felt like a fucking breakup. Like Dude. it felt like Chris and I had just gotten divorced. Well, I said it before and I'll say it again. I was more torn up about our less than 24 hour argument than I was my divorce. <laughs> well, there's... So. I mean... You know, that's not a fair comparison. That's not, it's not. But however, we got it in our first fight and it was really healthy and constructive. And I felt like both of our concerns were validated. Yeah. Like it wasn't like wrong. It was like, no, I totally get why you would feel that way. Mm-hmm. Here's how I feel. Nope. Totally get it. My, my bad. Mm-hmm. And now we're not fighting anymore. Anyway. So we missed like a month <laughs> right after being like, look at this exciting <clears throat> thing we're going to do for you guys. Yeah. And, and then. We haven't done that with a truly and nail polish in hand. Well, yeah, we are. Neither one of us are on call for the first time. Oh, my God. I know. And forever. So we're having a truly. um, I'm still kind of sick, so I don't know if I sound like shit. but You kind of do, but not as bad as you did before. Aiden told me I sounded like an old man. I was like, you're not wrong. Fair. (laughs) You're not wrong. That was a fair one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in between all of this chaos, we are back in school. Yep. Happy first, happy second week back. First week for some people. Like, I'm still seeing friends post, like, it's my kid's first day of school. And I'm like, fuck off. This is, like, our third week now. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. My kids already have a 130 out and no school on Monday the 6th after an entire week of 130 outs. Okay, Monday the 6th is Labor Day, Chelsea. I know. I'm just pouting. Also, I think the 13th is parent-teacher conferences. No. I think I have, it's a Thursday. Irrelevant. I have the school set, schedule in front of me, but what else? So there's that. It's, I can, can I just say, like, it's been so hard trying to co-parent through, like, all the school stuff, and it hasn't even been, like, a full month. God, I like, can only imagine. Trying to figure out, like, how to get the paperwork to each parent and, like, um making sure we're not missing anything and like they have school pictures coming up so like who has them on picture day and what that's gonna look like and how do we order pictures like the kids wanted scholastic books and so I was like okay I'll order you some but then it was like I don't know 
if their dad ordered them the same books. So that, do they? Have, it just has been like so weird. And I think it's especially hard when you're the only one who's making the effort to co-parent. Oops. <laughs> Unsend. <laughs> it's out there now, folks. We might have to edit this later. Nah. <laughs> nah. <clears throat> Anyways. It, yeah. So here we are. Anyway, we had a garage sale. Oh my god, we actually did pretty good. I'm. Pleasant. I spent all my money already. We each only got like fifty bucks. And I, I go, I reach into my wallet last night, and Chris is like, "Oh yeah, um, it's all done." I was like, "What?" Yeah, I spent all my money already. Me too. Damn it, Chris is like, "We we think we need to have another one." Well, we still have all that stuff in this, like, well, balls. I'm on call the weekend of the 10th, so we could do it that weekend. The 10th? Yeah. Oh, so, like, literally <laughs> next weekend? Okay. Yeah. It's already all, like, fucking set up and on tables. You may as well just throw it out and... Okay, yeah, tea. Let's do it. It's, like, it's already all set up. Let's just not tear it down. I don't need to park in my garage at least until fucking November when it starts to snow. Okay. So we'll just put it all back out. So if you're in our area, come to our garage sale. We're having another one. <laughs> Balls. Come to our garage sale. Here we are. Uh, well, so we put out like a bat signal for questions and guess what? We did get one. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. Where? Go to our Instagram. I'm on our Instagram. Go to our messages. From who? Go to general. Oh. Don't say the name. Oh my God. Why didn't I know that was a thing? I know. How did you know that? Um, because I've struggled with it in the past. Oh, okay. So we have a question, guys. I was about to like talk a lot of shit about nobody asking questions. <laughs> okay. Um, so the question is, what are some good hobbies to try and get into when someone feels anxious or depressed? I think the answer is whatever you like to do or whatever you have like... Um a passion about learning more about, you know? When I think that's hard too, because if you're really like in the throes of depression, sometimes you don't, don't want to do anything. Well, and you don't remember what you like to do. Ooh, I was going to have you blow. I was like, what do you want? So I inhaled your nail polish. <laughs> um, sometimes it's hard because when you're in the throes of depression and anxiety, sometimes you don't remember. Mm -hmm. Like I know coming out of my divorce, I was like, who the fuck am I outside of like, yeah being a wife and a mom and like I went through a really really dark place there for a few months where it's just like I don't know who I am anymore um and so one thing I would suggest is just kind of like get out there and do things you think you might like fight past that discomfort fight past the like this is outside of my comfort zone take a painting class or do a pottery class or start walking I'm a big advocate for physical activity when you're struggling with anxiety and depression just because it releases endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and all those happy feels. Um, so take a walk or Can you stretch. Yeah. Oh yeah. A little bit down. Okay. Up. Okay. Um, another big hobby that I always advocate my clients are doing is writing. Mm -hmm. Whether you journal or you write poetry or you just write today fucking sucked or you just fucking scribble all over a page. Scribble the page. Coloring is a really good one. It doesn't have to be anything like big. Um, it can literally be the smallest thing that just gives you something to do with your time. I know a lot of my clients are really into crafting. That's just not really my thing. But if you like crafting, 
it is fall. So like you could do a lot of really cool things with like Halloween wreaths or signs or like fall foliage. Um, so that's another idea. When I cook, cook. Ooh, that's a really good one. Cooking, I love baking. Cooking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a puppy. Don't do that. I wouldn't advocate I for that. I got a kitty. <laughs> and got a kitty. <laughs> so getting pets if you have the time and space. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so much out there. Honestly, I have an entire Pinterest. Jesus, Chelsea. Pinterest. Pinterest. <laughs> <laughs> I have an entire Pinterest page just of like coping tools. Um, so maybe I'll go through there and hopefully you're listening to this episode, but I'll go through my Pinterest page and throw out some of like the coping skill idea lists. Um, blowing bubbles is a really good one for anxiety. And a lot of people overlook that and think that it's childish, but it, it forces, <laughs> I'm struggling today. Childish. Um, this is my first drink too. Yikes. Um, I have recommended this to clients in the past. They're like, that's so little kiddish. That's childish. But really, it forces you to take a deep breath. And then it forces you to blow it out. So blowing mm-hmm. bubbles is a really cool one. Um, I feel like I'm just rambling now. I'm throwing out all sorts of different stuff. That's all good stuff. Yeah. I would say if you're really struggling with your anxiety and depression, start small. Mm-hmm. Don't overcommit. Because um, what we tend to do is we tend to go big or go home. And then it feels very overwhelming. And we stop doing it. Mm-hmm. So start small. Um, and really start exploring, like, what do I like? Who am I? Start there. And then build your way up. And like I said, I'll get on there and I'll throw out, I'll write it down so I don't forget. Um, just some of the like coping skills lists that I have. Yeah. Good one. Good one. That was a good question. <laughs> okay. I just want um, to get people up to ask more. Um, something else that happened since the last time we recorded is we got tattoos again. <laughs> I feel like that shouldn't even like be a thing anymore. I just got new tattoos. Oh okay. my God. Okay. What do we got? You want to go to mom corner or do you want to talk about your tattoo? What'd you get? I got a sign. That's really pretty. Yeah. And then I got my um, Jupiter sign. So I'm a Sagittarius. So I got my little arrow and I'm also a fire sign. So it's like surrounded by black and white flames. I love the black and white flames. I think, because at first I was like, man, I really don't want color. Uh, yeah. And Autumn was like, girl, we'll just do gray flames. And I'm like, yeah, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> um, okay, let's go to mom corner. So the first one is um, from an Instagram page called Warrior Goddess Training. And it's called A Taste of Your Own Medicine. Um don't ask me to say the name because it's like Najwa Zebian. And now I feel super fucking terrible because I can't say that. Yeah, the sounds, you can you convinced me. Cool. Okay. Taste your own medicine. Don't give them a taste of their own medicine. They already know what it tastes like. Give them a taste of your own medicine. If they lied, let your medicine be honesty. If they played with your emotions, let your medicine be maturity. If they broke you, let your medicine heal. If they made you cry, let your medicine make them smile. These remedies of yours may take years to work, but they work and they last. So be patient. Stay true to yourself and remember this. It is better for people to value you for who you are, um, not for who you pretend to be. Who you are lasts a lifetime. Who you pretend to be changes like the change of seasons. Don't be afraid to be yourself, even if it means removing yourself from lives that you want to be in. You are no doubt worthy of being valued for who you are. Love. I don't know that I should read that one. Why? 
Mm. Oh. Eww. It's a little pointed. <laughs> Fuckology Official by Stephen Bartlett. Stephen Bartlett Twitters. Is it Twitters? Tweets? Tweets. He tweets. <laughs> Clearly I Twitter. Wow. He tweeted, you don't lose real friends, real opportunities, or real relationships when you start standing up for yourself and setting clear boundaries. You lose abusers, manipulators, narcissists, control freaks, attention seekers, and mental health destroying leeches. Uh-uh. Yeah. What else did mom have? That was it. That was mom's corner. She just replied to the story I posted today about what it means to hold space for another person. She just said love. Thanks, mom. Dance, mom. Dance, mom. Okay. I'm actually really excited. Guess what we're doing, guys? We're doing... Oh. No, you do it. You say I thought it. they were supposed to guess. They've had ample time now. <laughs> Pick a diagnosis. I think this is only the second one we've done. It's the second or third. We talked about doing one every month. It's but... been a, a while since we did our last one. And this time we know what the other person did. But we don't know anything about what the other person is going to talk about. All right. Who's going first? Oh, my dog. <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> should I tell them my story? Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> so I chose... <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. So the one that I chose is something that I... <laughs> me, myself, diagnosed Chelsea with. <laughs> <laughs> she walks in and she's like, you're going to be so mad at me. But... I did. I, what did I say? This is something that I diagnosed you with too, Davina. <laughs> She's like, you're going to be so mad. And then she told me, I was like, nope, that's valid. Like, you're probably and right. And then you go, I can't believe you talk shit about me. <laughs> I wasn't talking shit about you. Uh, yeah. I was trying to <clears throat> figure out how to properly care for you. Anyways. <laughs> the My diagnosis, which is not really a diagnosis. Um, is, I don't. I'll look it up. Is self-love deficit disorder. And then there's a self-love abundance too. I mean, really what this is, is codependence, like extreme codependency yeah. to very toxic individuals. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, I believe her name is Rose Rosenberg. She, which is kind of a cool name. I kind of like that name. She um, made a self-love deficit disorder pyramid, Ooh. which I will put a picture of it on the gram. Um, but let's just start at the bottom of the pyramid. The pyramid is composed of five different things. So draw a little pyramid in your head and cut into five seconds. Cutting. The first one is attachment trauma. So this is conditional childhood attachment, neglect, abuse. Um, so the, a, disso- a dissociated childhood trauma um, and memories of abandonment. You go up to core shame. So this is like, we are fundamentally bad or flawed. That's our concept of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only as good as what I do or not do for others. It's, it's a completely human thing to do. The next step up is pathological loneliness, <laughs> <laughs> which, which is described as deep aching, lonely pain. <laughs> and that one says excruciating feelings of worthlessness and loneliness um go up to the second to last one it's self-love deficit disorder addiction so this is a loneliness ache so this would be like withdrawals um subsides with drugs of choice so it's like a narcissistic lover would be like your drug of choice so me (laughs) and then the very tip of the pyramid is self-love deficit disorder 
a selfless, compulsive caretaker who habitually attempts to control others into loving them. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think that this is like a clinically diagnosable disorder. It sounds like it's a reaction to like trauma. Right. So So I have that right? Yes. And that's what it says right here. So I'm on selfloverecovery.com and it says it all begins with attachment trauma, which is the root cause of this whole entire thing. Um, It often occurs when a child is raised by a narcissistic parent who doesn't allow them to feel loved. So then this trauma then turns into the cause of the core shame, which is what we talked about. Um, It's a distorted belief of being fundamentally bad or flawed. Like I said, a very total normal feeling. Then that turns into loving someone while being invisible. And that creates a pathological loneliness. Um, again, deep bone aching, emotional pain. God, why is it so it's, aggressive? It's so aggressive and so descriptive. This is the excruciating codependency part of the SLDD, which is a self-love deficit disorder. Um, that moves on down to the pain of it being simply unbearable. Hence the person with self-love deficit disorder, which is just codependency, um, uniquely prone to a codependency addiction, which is like, I'm addicted to bad people mm-hmm. basically. So yeah. <laughs> Gross. Um, I am. Um, 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 and this website goes into like how to love yourself again and blah, blah, blah. Well, I think that's like, so it's so important too, because when you're, I'm trying not to be pointed here, but I work with a lot of individuals right now. Narcissism is like the topic of 2021. I don't know why, but it's everywhere. It's the algorithm, Chelsea. No, it's not even just that. I mean, like even some of my colleagues who live in Washington are doing like YouTube videos on narcissism because it's just like the topic of 2021 for some reason. I don't know if the awareness light has been shown on it, but when you struggle with narcissistic abuse, that codependency is a byproduct of a narcissistic relationship. Mm -hmm. And I say that from a clinical standpoint, not a personal standpoint, but I could also say it from a personal standpoint. When you struggle with that, you come out of that relationship. And I was just telling you this, when you come out of a narcissistic relationship, that codependency is so normal because you feel like you need to latch on to somebody to love you, Mm -hmm. to get the love that you were seeking in all those other relationships. And it stems all the way back to like childhood trauma. Right. Um, so now I'm on psych central. Um, and this kind of, we talk about the, the word of codependency and (laughs) I'm trying to figure out where it is. Okay. So codependency is an outdated term that, um, points to the weakness, the weakness and emotional fragility, um, within yourself. So it's been replaced with the self-love deficit disorder or the SLDD. Um, and it kind of takes that stigma and misunderstanding <clears throat> out of like what codependency actually is. Um, and then again, on this website, it just kind of talks about where this roots from, where it's embedded. Um, so this just said the absence of self-love results in deeply embedded insecurities that render a person powerless to set boundaries or to control their narcissistic loved ones. So it all goes back to the Panark. <laughs> Oh my God. Panark. A pathological narcissist is Panark. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure it's probably just Panark, but even that's worse, I think. Yeah. Um, so then this, this website also just kind of takes like the 
child who has a lot of trauma from their panarch and kind of walks you through what this becomes into. Something I really liked from Ro oh what? Ross Rosenberg, not Rose Rosenberg. <laughs> Yikes. So I'm on the human magnet syndrome.com, which this is, it's also like a name for SLDD is the human. Don't panic. It didn't phrase. <gasps> it's the human oh magnet God. syndrome. Okay. Which makes sense. Right. Um, a quote from Ross. And I, I love this. Love. I like when I found this, I was like, I have to keep this page open. Love yourself. Like you always wanted others to love you. Achieving self-love abundance, SLA, which is like the opposite side of SLDD, requires you to treat yourself like you long for others to treat you. Mm -hmm. SLA mandates that you love yourself unconditionally like you were not for far too long in your life. It's time to create a best friend in yourself. Ugh, love. Are you kidding me? Like how, what a cool... Do you know what's crazy thing for me to cover, right? Right. Self-love. So cool. Self-love. <laughs> Something we don't do for ourselves. <laughs> what do you have to do with something? Because <laughs> we're supposed to be honest. What's funny is I was just having a conversation with a client like this today. It was like, why do you value other people more than you value yourself? You know, Okay, go on. Because I also have a very similar conversation. You know, and I've had this conversation with a lot of clients. It's like, you respect other people's boundaries, right? If they mm-hmm. break up with you, you're like, okay, cool. I get it. That's your boundary. But you won't set that boundary for yourself. You value so much the opinion of other people that you forget to value yourself. Mm -hmm. And at what point is it I love myself enough to value me over you? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, that's so selfish. But at the end of the day, self-love is the most selfless thing that you can do. Right. Because it affects how you treat other people as well as how much you love yourself. Yep. Something that um, I literally just completely forgot what I was going to say. Balls. Okay. So I have two things. Okay. One thing is I always tell myself to um, talk to myself or treat myself in ways that I would treat someone that I love very deeply. You, Chris. Yeah. Like those are the first two people that come to my mind. <sighs> or like my nieces. Yeah. Do I want other people or do I want my nieces talking like that? The way that I talk to myself. Do I want my nieces to talk to themselves like that? Absolutely. Fucking not. What the fuck? Right. And then that kind of puts that into perspective. Um, something else that I, I talk to my clients a lot about is, and this kind of is piggybacking onto like the whole self-care train that we had at the question at the very beginning Yeah, is finding out like, what are your roles? Right. So let's just take you, for example, you're, what are your roles? You're a mom, you're a student, you're a daughter, you're a sister, you're a best friend, a girlfriend, mm-hmm. um, a therapist. Mm-hmm. So who so because you are those things for other people what do you do for them you care for them you give them advice you you know all of these things but who are you for you I feel like we're the same people like I (laughs) wish you would go into therapy because these are the exact conversations I have with my clients like word for word like you you are this for other people but who who is Chelsea for Chelsea right like when you're all by yourself and it's just you because like what Think about the things that you would do for your kids. I mean, you clean up after them, you bathe them, you tell them how much you love them, you tickle them, you read them books. Do you do those things for yourself? Yeah. No. Yeah. Boom, mic drop. Boom, mic drop. Well, and I love that too. One thing that I would encourage everybody to do is to sit down 
and um, think about the way you talk to yourself. If you spoke to your best friend, the way you speak to yourself, what would they say? <laughs> right? Because we're dicks to ourselves. I also have... Um... How do we get to self-love from like fucking... Ow! Oh, sorry. <laughs> you bitch! <laughs> um, Fuck yourself, love. I have a deck of cards. What the hell is this? It's a curly hair girl brush. So like it doesn't get stuck anywhere and it like expands to meet her curls. Oh, cute. Isn't that cute? Um, I have these cards called empowering question cards, which I love. If you're a mental health professional and you see individuals like one-on-one, I highly suggest you get them. They're on Amazon. Um, they're really pretty. They have cute patterns and they have really deep questions that we do not think about on our own time. Right. Anyways, one of the questions on one of those cards says, would I be proud of myself if I talk to other people the same way that my thoughts speak to me? Ew. Uh, I dislike what you just said out loud. Well, think about it. Yeah. Would, would you be proud of yourself if you spoke to other people the same way that you speak to yourself? No. T. T. Good one. Be nice to yourself. Barf. Okay. I shut my computer. Oh, does that mean you're done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really all I have. At least, like, bye. I'm over this now. <laughs> I did what I could today. <laughs> no, that's it's super interesting. And I actually wrote it down to share with some of my clients that we've talked about, like, We've talked about a lot of this stuff and it'll be nice to be able to be like, did you know that's actually something that somebody's looking into as like a diagnosis? Mm-hmm. So I wrote it down to share. Yay. Good one. Sense. You want to get fucked up now? <laughs> Not drunk. I was like, I guess. <laughs> what is yours? Is this what you're referring to? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's super interesting. Um, it's called conversion disorder. And... <clears throat> um. I was sitting on the couch earlier, like in between my crazy session day. And I was like, what could I do? And I looked up a bunch of them. And this one has stuck out with me since I was like, just starting my master's program. I've actually never seen it diagnosed in the 14 years I've been in the mental health field. That's how rare it is. Oh, so, so conversion disorder. Um, it's a mental health condition where the client will experience neurological symptoms like blindness, paralysis, or other nervous system disorders that cannot be described by a medical evaluation. Okay. So they will present in a medical setting. Mm -hmm. They rarely, if ever, present in like a therapy setting because it all feels medical and neurological. Right. So they present in a medical setting. This is a job for Derek Shepard, not for Chelsea. Yeah. Dr. McDreamy. Right? He's McDreamy. And McSteamy is the other one. Is Mark. (laughs) R.I.P. If you don't watch Grey's Anatomy, sorry. I think it's pretty fair to assume that if you watch Grey's Anatomy, you know that every single character fucking dies. You just don't know when. Right. It's inevitable. I'm waiting for Grey to die, but whatever. Never. I saw this picture off topic. I saw this picture on Facebook that was like Meredith at the on season one and she was like cute and young. And then it's like Meredith season 90. And she's like <laughs> wrinkly and with a walk. Probably right. She's been through so much shit. Jesus. She's <laughs> lost literally everybody she's ever cared about. Oh uh, my God. Okay. Anyway. So yeah, it, they will present in a medical setting. Um, they tend to run through like a whole host of medical. Just take a note. Sorry. Okay, I got confused. Um, and so the symptoms usually begin suddenly after a stressful experience. Um, 
so they're at super high risk if they already have a pre-existing medical condition, um, a dissociative disorder. And so that's essentially any sort of escape from reality that's not intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually talked to my therapist about my dissociation today. She's like, how have you been? And I'm like, fucking dissociating right and left. And she's like, oh, yikes. Literally me. Like, oh, it makes me so mad too when Chris is like, hey. And I'm like, I was in Disneyland. Fuck you. <laughs> so they might have a dissociative disorder or a personality disorder. Um, any sort of, or any sort of inability to manage their feelings and emotions in an emotional way. And so it manifests in a very physical way. So those are some things that may be happening behind the scenes. Um, Here's the deal. People with conversion disorder, unlike people with factitious disorder, are not making up their symptoms. They are very, very much experiencing these medical type symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so some healthcare providers might falsely believe that conversion disorder isn't real. Um, and they might tell people like, it's all in your head. It's not a real thing, but it is very much a real disorder. People are experiencing these medical symptoms, but there's no medical explanation. Um, the physical symptoms are thought to be an attempt to resolve the conflict the person feels inside. So it's just a sort of like manifestation of physical, of mental concerns that are coming out physically. So there's a really cool example here. And honestly, I forgot what website I got this from. So sorry. Um, the example is like a woman who believes it's not acceptable to have violent feelings may suddenly feel numbness in her arms after becoming so angry that she wanted to punch somebody. So her arms will go completely numb. Okay. I have a question. Yes. I really didn't listen to the first half of that until I heard the numb arms part. So you might have already answered it. But like when I get like super spooked or like I'm feeling really anxious, my legs go numb. Is that normal? (laughs) I think any sort of numbness is not normal. Seeking medical advice. (laughs) I'm not an MD, but I'm going to say numbness in limbs is probably not normal. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, no. Some symptoms um, for conversion disorder include the loss of one or more bodily symptoms. So it's blindness, inability to speak, numbness, paralysis, um, a debilitating debilitating symptom that suddenly begins, history of psychological problems that get better after the symptom appears, or a lack of concern that usually occurs the symptom. Um, so usually because they present in a medical setting, there will be a host of medical tests that occur before any sort of diagnostic testing psychologically. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like even if they presented in like a therapy setting, we would have to refer them to a medical provider to make sure that the cause isn't medical. Right. Cause you got a tumor on your brain and I'm treating you for conversion disorder. We got an issue here. Um, uh, oh my God. Now I have anxiety. Oh my God. Are you like? <laughs> So some emotions um, that might cause these physical symptoms. What are we doing? What the fuck? You broke it. What is this? I think you broke it for real. (laughs) I don't think that's supposed to. No, look, there's holes. See? Yeah, so it holds it together. That peg goes in that hole. Well, I know where the peg goes, but why would (laughs) if they didn't want it to come out, they wouldn't have given me the opportunity to do. Maybe you put ponytails in there, (gasps) like little tiny rubber bands. Oh my god. It's so cute. If not, that's what it's for now. Um, Watch. Thanks. (laughs) I appreciate that. Um, So some of the emotions that might correlate with the physical symptoms, anyone suppressing anger. 
So like you make me so mad that I want to punch you, but I've been told that punching is bad. So my arms are going to go numb. Um, any sort of prior trauma. So those traumatic experiences may lead a person to experience seizures or loss of consciousness because they're suppressing their memories and emotions. Um, it is a DSM-5 diagnosis, and it falls under what used to be called somatoform disorders. So somatization is a process in which psychological distress converts into physical symptoms. So there's a few other diagnoses within the somatoform disorders. This one's just my favorite. <laughs> um, so in order to reach this diagnosis, it's essentially like a process of elimination. The doctor has to go through all these medical tests and like check the box to say, nope, you don't have this, you don't have this, you don't have this. We have no medical reasoning for why this is happening. We need to refer you to a therapist. And then that's kind of how that diagnosis comes about. Ow, but I feel like if a doctor couldn't find anything wrong, they would keep running tests. They wouldn't even think about therapy. That's, that's what I think. Well, and it depends on like, so this is where it's going to get money because it depends on where you're at, who the doctors are. You know, obviously, if you're in, like, House or Grey's Anatomy, they're just going to keep running tests until they're blue in the face because they think it's medical. Mm -hmm. Um, However, we've recently had um, a case that's come across my eyeballs, um, for lack of better terms, where they ran medical tests and they were like, we don't know, maybe go see a therapist. And they didn't have this particular diagnosis, but it is possible. You know, if you run Mm -hmm. every test known to man and they're still like, oh, Mm -hmm. try this. So that's where it kind of gets muddy because we don't really know like when, where, why, and how to refer out of medical and into psychological and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's see. Tests are likely to concentrate on other causes or neurological symptoms. So the key indicators that a person is struggling with conversion disorder is the presence of physical symptoms that would need to involve multiple parts of the nervous system. So it's not just something that's like, pinpointed to one part, it would technically need to involve a lot of parts of the nervous system. Um, And diagnosing that is like, we have to look at prior trauma and we need to look at psychological history and we need to look at like anything that's going on mentally that might be attributing to these symptoms. So, I mean, there's different ways to treat it. Therapy obviously is like the biggest one. Talk therapy, CBT, those have been kind of like the two biggest proponents for treating conversion Mm -hmm. disorder. Hypnosis is kind of like a hypnosis. Newer... I've heard a lot of things about hypnosis. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, it's kind of like a newer, less researched approach. I kind of want to try it. But... Have you never been hypnotized? No, dude, I'm so scared. I got hypnotized at prom. Was it scary? Yeah, it's booty. I don't want to do it. Well, you didn't know what you were doing until after. Like, it just that's felt the like... problem. And then that night. After you get hypnotized, best fucking sleep you'll ever have. What? Mm-hmm. Okay. I still don't want to do it. But, like, seriously, when you're done, like, you just wake up, it feels like you were, you just took a little nap. I dislike. Nope. Um, they also do, like, physical therapy and occupational therapy, just in case it is, like, a physical symptom. Stress relieving techniques, light exercise, garden. It says gardening, actually. Um... So the cool thing about this diagnosis is the prognosis is super positive. Mm-hmm. Most people who struggle with conversion disorder. Gross. Is it a beetle? Don't squish it. Life killer. Where'd it go? I don't know. You fucking destroy oh. it. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they, they tend to make a full recovery. Once you address the mental health symptoms that are leading to the physical symptoms, you can address the physical symptoms or the 
mental health symptoms and therapy. And then they're just not blind anymore? Nope. Isn't that nuts? Why are you chuckling? <laughs> Is it because you said nuts? Probably. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I have a little bit. There's like an overview of it. Um, but there was a patient story on here. There's not really a lot of complications. I mean, if it's not treated, obviously it can make them think that they're disabled. Um, but proper diagnosis and treatment is necessary in mm -hmm. order to, to <clears throat> achieve that prognosis of full recovery. Right. So there's this cool patient story on the Mayo Clinic about a guy named Tyler McDonald. And at age 35, he was like, everything was going great. He felt like things were awesome. But then he also realizes like, shit, I'm 35. The best years of my life are behind me now. Uh -huh. um, so then all of a sudden he started experiencing these mystifying mobility issues and severe pain. So he was on heavy pain medications. He was using a cane. He became withdrawn and depressed and they couldn't understand what was going on because there was no medical reason why this should be happening. Um, and so there was a neurologist at the Mayo Clinic who kind of uncovered what was going on. So he said, Tyler said that the worst part was his debilitating leg pain um, and needing a cane to walk and the heavy pain medication. Um, he's super athletic. He was a baseball player. And he said the worst part was not being able to coach his son's little league team anymore. Um, so there was a comprehensive care team that provided services through the Mayo Clinic and they correctly diagnosed him with conversion disorder. They took him off the opioid pain medications, helped him get like down to the root of the mental health things that were going on. And so Tyler said, my personality is back to where it used to be. My kids are happier to be around me. Being present with my family is an awesome feeling because when you're in pain like that all the time, you just go through the day doing, going through the motions. You don't really live in the moment ever. Um, so Tyler received <laughs> therapy and support from his neurologist um, and his psychologist at Mayo's Pain Rehabilitation Center. So I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. But that being said, that's conversion disorder. Like, there's not a lot of research on it. There's not a lot of, like... I can't imagine there is. Well, because how do you diagnose it? Right. Diagnose it. Not diagnosis, but... So there's conversion disorder. Wow. Yeah. Those were good. Those were good. They were short, I feel like. They were. But we're still hitting, like, the time. We're at, like, 40 minutes now. God, we're so good. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else to say before we get to the twit? Nah. Are sure? I'm sure I'll think of something else to say as you start looking for the quote. Okay, we're doing so something different this week. Chelsea got a new poetry book, which we love. We love poetry books. It's called Becoming a Wildflower by April Green. Neither one of us has, have read this book yet. Which is like rare. rare. It's <gasps> Yikes. In case you were wondering, there was the look we give. <laughs> so Emily and I had a discussion how we were probably like lovers or. Oh my God. Okay, wait, let me get the text messages out. <clears throat> yeah, how we were just connected in a past life because it's like, you know, when you meet those people and it's like, you had to have been part of another part of my life because I just know you in a way that I don't know other people. Like our souls are so deeply ingrained that it's like, we had to have been lovers or besties or mother daughter or like 
something in our past lives. And I feel like we've always been together in like all of our lives before this one. So I texted her and I said, sometimes I sit here and think slash wish I could put into words how much I love you. And she said, you don't, I feel it. (laughs) I said, I said, I think we were once lovers or we were always besties, baby siblings, IDK. She said, we've been connected. That's for sure. I was like, we have to be. And then she said, if I were by Chris better hide his wife. (laughs) I got too serious there for a second. Hide your wife, Chris. Or don't. Whatever. Okay. Anyway. Poetry book. (laughs) (laughs) So we're just going to flip to our Should we each do one? Oh my God. Okay. Okay. Me first. Me first. Me first. Becoming a wildflower. April green. Go. Here we are. You are perfect as you are. Keep growing, but don't ever change your inherent nature. Beautiful. She's going to take a picture so we don't lose the pages. Okay. Okay. Are we ready? Okay. This one feels good for me. It was one I needed to pull. You're allowed to start again. The past is part of you, but it should never define you. Wherever you find yourself, start from there. Your next step is aching with possibility. Ah! Is that not perfect? Love. uh... Okay, April Green. I'll read you now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like one of those books that I bought because I was like, I have all this time because I took those two weeks off. But now that I'm back in school, like I have three textbooks I have to read every week. So... I'm kind of like, he'll just sit there for when I feel sad and I need a poetry pick me up. <laughs> but those are our quotes. Yay. So if you guys have questions that you'd like us to answer, if you have comments, if you have just random things that you want us to talk about on the pod, um, all of our social media platforms are mental health sucks. Sucks is S-U-C-C-S. And that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Period. Period. Do we have a Twitter? No. I don't Twitter, so I don't know. That'd be like your thing. God, you're like 74. (laughs) Make sure you water yourself and your past life lovers. Goodbye.